Thanks, Jamie. Um, and just for clarity, uh, the policy in the training school manual was very um, ambiguous. It did not say specifically you cannot date. It said check with leadership or something like that. So, so I did come. You remember? Yeah. I, my heart was like, I remember that meeting. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I just wanted to clarify here. Before. Right. Let's get set up here first. Technology needs to cooperate. All right. Well, uh, Jamie gave me a little introduction there, but uh, again, my name is James Albright. I'm the missions and college pastor. Um, I don't know if I'm bringing to bring attention to this, Chad, but there's a leak right here. I don't, so, anyhow, just ignore that. Um, so, uh, uh, I'm the missions and college pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And um, uh, so, have been doing that, as Jamie said, for the last three years. My wife, Laura, for the last nearly 12 years. Um, most marriages have... One has the beauty and one has the brains, and in our case, she got both of those. So, um, so I'm married in way above my head. We have three beautiful daughters. Lizzie is eight, Becca's seven, and Ella is four and a half. She'd be very clear with you on that. Okay, so uh, love being a dad. If you're ever bored one evening or something and you just want some excitement, just come on over to our house. It will be exciting. I can promise you that, okay? So it's a, it's a fun, fun deal being a dad. Um, I thought I'd just take a second to just give you a brief uh, update about missions. Just while I've, while I've got the microphone here, let's just, let's just you know, give a quick update to the church about things that are going on. Um, and, you know, as Jamie said, uh, ten years ago, we started uh, Share Life Now International, which is the missions arm of Christ Fellowship. Okay, and uh, so out of, out of that, that whole heart was basically, it, we described, the, Jamie described that in the name. We're, the heart behind it is that we want to share the life of Jesus when, now, and the scope is international. It's both here in Fort Worth, it's domestic, and it's international. It's in wherever the Lord calls us. Okay, so that inside of the name really is the vision behind the whole thing. And we really believe that, that living things multiply. So if we have the life of Christ in us as a disciple, we're going to multiply that life into others. And then as a life group, we're going to do that. We're going to multiply that life group from one to two, from two to four, and so on. And then in churches as well, the life of Christ is here among us. So it, it spills out into Thailand and Croatia and Sheffield, England, and you know, all these places around the world, Haiti, different places where we've been able to have an impact so God is good in that way. Um, and uh, just a couple of specific highlights um, that I wanted to bring attention to. Jonathan and Maddie, I just saw you guys. There you are. Um, if you just wave your hand. Jonathan and Maddie Lee are leading a team to uh, northern Thailand uh, in two weeks. You're leaving July 3rd? One week. Is that one week? Good grief. Um, and... Uh, uh, so they are going to bless and serve our long-term team there and just kind of work alongside with them. Uh, so that's um, an exciting thing happening right now. Please pray for them. And, and I'll just say this plug. I wouldn't normally do this, but every trip that you go on, right there at the end, there's some financial needs right at the end. So I'm just saying that, okay? So um, be prayerful about that. There's ways that we can all contribute. Okay, um, 
another piece here just to highlight again of things going on in missions world. We are starting back up our church planning training school called Launch. It's going to be starting this fall. We're restructuring it. It's going to be a different feel to it. But the, the whole point of that is, is together with our movement, with the Antioch movement, um, being able to train people consistently and well with high quality so that they can be just have all the training they need for a successful run, whether that's five years, 10 years, 20 years, overseas or domestically in a church planning situation. So we're really excited about that. Have a great class lining up. And then finally, I want you guys to pull out your smartphones. If that's where your calendar is, just pull it out real quick. Get your calendar ready. October 19th, go ahead and write in on that day. I will be at Christ Fellowship. I will not go visit my mother-in-law or my, what, my somebody that day. We're having Share Life Sunday. It's a missions Sunday that day. You're going to want to be here. It's going to be a great time of vision casting. How are we here at Christ Fellowship um, uh, expressing the mission of God uh, and into our city, our nation, and into the world? Okay? So, does that sound good? October 19th, all right? Is it in your calendar? Okay. All right. Just making sure. All right. So, um, we're going to, as Jamie said, we're doing a series called Different Angles right now. It's a really fun series. So we get a lot of different perspectives, obviously, a lot of different people that get to speak and, to, uh, uh, and share about the way that God has impacted their life, different angles on Jesus, the church, and the mission. And um, so today I'm going to be talking about, uh, I'm gonna, the, the, the title of my sermon is Attitude Check. Um, we're going to be talking about attitude. So um, I, there's no whoops, no hollers. Come on. Yeah, whoa. So we're going to be talking about attitude. So I don't know about you guys. But, um, but the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about attitude, when that word comes, is, and this is not you guys, this is other people, but is a teenager just copping a big old attitude with their mom or dad, right? Just smarting off. That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I say that word teenager. And, you know, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> not again, not y'all. Uh, when I say the word attitude, okay? Um, that's the word that comes to our American minds. You know, I have images in my mid-30s, nearly 40 uh, mind of the breakfast club, some of those guys just kind of copping off in attitudes to their authority, uh, things like that. Um, but, um, you know, when I was a teenager, I could, I could kind of bring up an attitude with the best of them. And I know you're thinking, no, surely not you, James. <laughs> not you. But yes, my assumption, as many of yours was, was that I knew best. And I knew better than my mom and dad for sure, and probably my teachers as well. And so I could just, I could bring in a good sarcastic remark, and, um, and uh, just with the best of them. And I know I'm probably the only one here in this room that could do that. Uh, and, you know, though it's a more mature version of it now, we still struggle with attitude, don't we? We still struggle with that. We have maybe a more mature version of that, maybe a little bit, maybe we hide it a bit more, maybe we package it nicely and put a bow on top of it and present it in a nice passive-aggressive comment, something like that, right? We still can do it. I do it. You put me in the right situation and scenario, then I will do it. Just, I dare you, you know? So um, if you, uh, and we'll talk more about that later, uh, some of my own experiences. But, you know, that type of attitude is really just 
we're just talking about a disrespect there. That's really not even a proper definition of attitude, to have just a disrespect for somebody or say something disrespectful. That's, that's what that kind of attitude is that our American minds think about. But what we're really talking about today is mindset. We're talking about mindset or a lens through which we see something or someone. So it could be like you're looking through a telescope and there's this, all of a sudden a tent drops on that lens and suddenly you see things differently than you did before. Something gets triggered and we all of a sudden have this attitude towards something or someone. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, how important is our attitude or our mindset? Very. And it is subtle, it is subconscious, but it comes out through our pores. It comes out through everything that we do. You know, it changes how we go through a day. It affects our relationships. It affects our enjoyment and productivity at work, right? Anybody seen that? Our overall sa- it affects our overall satisfaction and happiness in life. And really, a bad attitude or a negative mindset can really steal from us. It's ultimately stealing from us joy that was meant to be ours, but it's stealing from us and causing us to be absolutely destroyed in some type of a way. Maybe in just in a moment, or maybe it just keeps growing and it blows up into some type of a depression or something like that. You know, and it can damage our relationships, things around us, friendships, uh, uh, marriages, relationships with parents, things like that, or with your children. But you know, as followers of Jesus, we look to Him in everything. And so we look to Him, what was your attitude, Jesus? What were you like? What did you think about? What was the lens through which He was looking that He saw others? And He saw the sick. He saw His disciples. He saw the needy. What was that lens like? How did He see the Pharisees? How did he see these different situations that he was in? And what, did he have these trigger points where something boom, dropped in and all of a sudden he saw things differently, either positive or negative? I think he did. And what were his thoughts? What was in his heart when he looked at something or someone? So we want to look to him right now. We want to look to him. And what I'm saying here is that if we look at Jesus' attitude, I think what we're going to see is that it's something much deeper than just behavior. Jesus didn't go around changing his behavior so that he, he, was, you know, he was torn up inside, but on the outside he was nice to somebody. Or he's like, gosh, this guy keeps asking me to, be, to heal him. I guess I'll do it. You know? And then he puts a smile on his face and heals it. You know, He wasn't just a good behavior. What we're talking about is deep, deep stuff. This is deep stuff. So I believe that Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11 speaks directly to this. And I want to read this together right now. So if you turn with me, Philippians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. All right. Therefore, if any of you have incur- any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit 
and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. The main thing today, guys, is that Jesus showed us how to live a fulfilled life by humbling himself and taking on the attitude of a servant in everything he did. Jesus showed us how to live, I want you to hear this, a fulfilled life by, taking, by humbling himself and taking on the attitude of a servant in everything that he did. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you that we can look to you, Jesus, and that when we look to you, we see life as it was meant to be, and you give us your life. And I pray, Jesus, that right now you would open up our eyes to see you more, to see your servant heart for us, for others, Lord, and that we, in turn, would be filled with your Holy Spirit and go and do just as you told us. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 So, you know, just a few months ago, um, here we go, here's some of the own self-confession, all right? So a few months ago, the reason why this passage is just was, was standing out to me is because just a couple of months ago, I was, and I think some of you can relate to this, I was in the, we were in the middle of spring. It was April, end of March, beginning of April, something like that. And, and man, it was like uh, coming home, and the kids had this activity and that activity and this recital and that rehearsal and oh they need another check okay another ch- another ch- they need another check okay they and uh, you know all the paying out to the extracurricular and then and then you know just the busyness of home life and then we I come to work and of course you've got uh, uh, you've got stuff that you're finishing up for the spring trying to finish strong you have imminent plans happening in the fall, in the, I'm sorry, in the summer, that you've got to get the details lined up for, and then you're planning ahead for the fall and on. And so the spring is a busy time, right? Anybody else have that? Spring is busy. And uh, so I was going through all that, and I wasn't carrying my load right. You know, it's like a backpacking trip, and you got the 50-pound pack on, and you forgot to you know, buckle that belt, which helps you carry your load. You know, it was just, it was hurting my back, my shoulders were messed up, and I was getting funky. I was getting, I was under it. You know what I mean when I say, anybody been under it? Yeah, I was under it, and I was getting funky. And you know who the first people are that, that get affected when you start getting a funky attitude? Yes, that's right, Heidi, rubbing my wife's shoulder. My poor wife and my poor kids putting up with me coming home and just having a, a quick fuse. 
And I don't know if I hit it here very well. I don't know. Again, maybe the mature version, you're not going to say right now. You're like, <laughs> we'll talk about that later, right? But, you know, the, <laughs> that's right. But uh, at home, there was no hiding. It was all, you know, all out there. And I remember one, and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to get like that. Nobody wants that, you know? But, uh, and so I, I remember one morning I went out and just sat on my patio and, and uh, felt like the Lord was saying, read, start up in Philippians. And so I was, okay, great, that sounds good. And uh, read through chapter 1 and got to chapter 2 and that verse 1 through 11. And it was like, like just a, a wonderful rock over my head, you know. And, um, you know, as, as Paul described, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourselves. And then in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who was a servant. And I was, it was, I was cut to the heart. I was cut to the heart. And, um, you know, began that work of just going, God, I want you. I want you more and more and more in my heart right now. And uh, so, you know, as that went on, I realized what Paul is, and I just kept thinking about it through the days, you know, what Paul is saying is that in the context, he's giving, he's coaching these guys, he's coaching the church on relationships. He's talking to them about, you know, what is it like to be together? What is it like to have relationship with each other? And he's saying all these different things, consider others better than yourselves, all these different things, and he goes, you know what? The best thing I can tell you is look to Jesus. And then, he, and then he quotes this song that was a common song to them. It was like one of our worship songs. But it was a song to them that, was, that spoke to them. And they realized, yes, we want to be like Jesus. The best example that we can have for how do we interact with each other is when we look to Jesus. And so today we're going to look at that. We're going to see Jesus modeled for us the life of a servant in a lot of different ways. There were three ways, though, that I'm going to pull out right now. We're not going to say everything there is to say on this life of a servant or on that Philippians 2 passage, but I'm going to pull out today three ways that I felt like God was saying, this is how Jesus modeled the life of a servant, okay? So you've got, if you're an outline kind of person, then pull that out. Jesus' servant attitude is, number one, it's countercultural. Jesus' servant attitude is countercultural. All right, turn with me now to Mark uh, chapter 9. And then we're going to flip right over to chapter 10. So just keep your finger there or swipe your finger over. Um, Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 35. Okay. So it says here, They, meaning the disciples and Jesus, came to Capernaum. And when he was in the, in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Thankfully, that's never an argument we have there at the office. We don't <laughs> so that was just them. Who was the greatest? Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve, and he said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And then turn with me to Mark 10, verse 41 through 45. Just flip over a page. 10, verse 41 through 45. The context here in this situation 
is that James and John came up to Jesus. I think they kind of pulled him aside a little bit. And uh, you guys know this story. And they said, hey, Jesus, we've got a great idea. This will be so fun. If, if, what if, you know, when you go to heaven and you're sitting on the throne, and what if me and my brother on, are on your left and your right? Wouldn't that be crazy? And, uh, and they just, you know, just yucking it up, thinking it's a great time. And Jesus, probably with a, a big gracious smile on his face, began to just rebuke him and just say, I love you guys, you're so great, and no, that's not happening. But um, we're not going to go into all that, but at verse 41 through 45, we, the, the story continues. It says, when the other ten heard about this, <laughs> when the other ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. What did that look like? So Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. There's a little vision for them. They were, they were not that way at that moment, but he's saying, this is not the way it's going to be with you. I love that. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. You know, the kingdom of God is upside down in our perspective. It is upside down. It is countercultural. It is against the flow. It is subversive to what we are taught to believe. It's, it is the upside down kingdom of God. And in John 13, Jesus displayed it once again. And we won't, don't have to go there right now. You guys know the story. He, got, he was getting everybody ready for the Last Supper, for the Passover meal. And they were gathering together and coming up to the room. And traditionally, somebody, the servant, is going to come and, and wash their dirty feet. They've been walking around all day long and just stinking it up. And now somebody comes in and washes their feet. But there wasn't that person. And so they all sat there with their stinky feet, wondering who was it going to be that was going to do this. And Jesus then took off his outer, outer cloak and got down on his knees, just like a servant would have, and began to wash their feet. He showed them that this is not the way that a ruler and an authority figure and a teacher in the kingdom of God functions, functions like this from his knees. It's an upside-down kingdom. In John 13, 14, later in that same story, he says, he gets back up and he says, do you understand what I've done? And I think it was probably another one of those awkward, silent moments where they sat there scratching their heads going, I don't know what you're talking about. And, they, and he said, just as I've laid down my life for you and served you, I want you to go and do the same with your brothers. The kingdom of God is countercultural. That's not the flow that we live in. That's not the flow that America teaches us. America teaches us, the West teaches us, stand up and be the biggest and loudest. Stick your chest out and max the way to get authority. That's the way to be a leader. But the kingdom of God is upside down. The way to leadership is by being the servant of all. The way to be the greatest is by laying down your life. And I love this about the kingdom of God. I love it. I love the subversive nature of it. I love that it is, it is a fight and a pushback against the way things are currently being held. That, you know, Jesus came in, and he came into a broken system. Now, they all thought that they had a plan. 
And does that sound familiar? We think that too. We come in and we think we've got a plan, but he came in and he said, this is a broken system and let me show you the way it was meant to be. Let me show you the way it was meant to be. We have these hopes and plans in, the, in some type of economic plan, in some type of a political plan, in some type of a, all these different things, these philosophies of life. But when it comes down to it, Jesus said, let me show you the way that it really works. This is life to the full. This is life the way it was meant to be. You know, this kingdom is where the last will be first, where the greatest will be the servant of all, where those who say and realize that they're blind, they actually get to see, where those who are hungry will be filled, where the poor in spirit inherit the kingdom and where the meek and humble inherit the earth. That is the kingdom of God that we're talking about. That is what Jesus showed us when he came to earth. What Jesus is showing us, that this is the, way, the true way to happiness, fulfillment, and a life to the full. He's showing us a new system, a new set of glasses to put on. It's good news, isn't it? The servant attitude of Jesus is countercultural. Number two, the servant attitude of Jesus is relational. The servant attitude of Jesus is relational. And it cultivates good relationships. Let's open back up there to Philippians 2 and just reread real quickly Philippians 2, verse 2 through 4. It says, Then, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, Jesus exemplified this heart for others throughout his life. Um, Jesus is others-focused. He is others-focused in everything. Everything he did. Everything he did was others-focused. And this week I started to, I just took a portion of, the, of, of one of the Gospels of Mark, and I just read a few chapters. And I just thought, I'm just going to look through the lens of how did Jesus serve people? How did, what was his attitude towards people? What did it look like? How did he think about people? Every single event, no matter what was happening, every single dialogue was others-focused. Every single thing, his teaching, his healing, his correcting of people, his befriending, befriending of those that in the world's eyes he had no business befriending. Everything he did was others-focused. You know, I encourage you guys to do the same. Just take a portion of the scripture, a portion of one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just look at it through that lens. It was really fun. It really just, it brought a new light to, as I read. Look at it through the lens of, how is Jesus serving people? Where is this servant heart of Jesus that, that we read about? And just, just look at it and discover it in each and every story. He was always others-focused. You know, and ultimately, I believe that this is why people wanted to be around him so much. He just felt, they felt loved. They felt loved around him. Have you ever been around the opposite? I nearly showed the video of Brian Regan doing the Me Monster. Has anybody seen that? That's, if you have no idea what I'm talking about. So, they, uh, basically, he's just, this comedian makes a joke about, there's a guy, there's always one guy or girl in a party that just, you know, me, myself, I, my, me, my, I, me, you know, and I can always, 
It's always one step above your story. You got your story here. Well, oh yeah, that ain't nothing, you know. And and uh, it's a great, great video. You ought to watch that sometime. But uh, you know, there is, um, you know, if you've ever been around the opposite, you understand how suffocating that can be. But Jesus was the opposite of that. He was that servant heart who loved others well, and people wanted to be around him. They wanted to be around him. And you see, just as I said before, I believe this is far more than just good behavior, that it was a mindset. It was a lens through which he looked. And Jesus showed us, you know, and he even taught about this, that we, we can't take the cup and, and wash the outside and expect that the inside is clean too. You know, there's not just a switch that I can turn on where suddenly I think about others more than I think about myself. And so I can't just wash the outside of the cup or I can't whitewash the tomb and not expect that there's decay and rot inside, you know, of my heart. But what I need to do is I need to come to the one who sets me free and I need to allow him to wash every bit of me and allow him. And then it's not a switch that I need to turn on where it's good behavior, quote unquote, but it is it is flowing out of me. It is my natural response, just like it was for Jesus, because his life is in us. Imagine what it would look like if we had this mindset of putting others first in our relationships. Imagine if this week we took one more step in that. Imagine if this week we did some others first experiments. What would that be like? How would that bless our marriage? How would that bless our workplace? What would that look like in our parenting relationships if we just did one more, just, let's just try this out, try serving in this way. What if, we, what if we listened a little bit more and talked a little bit less? What if we laid down our right to be right in an opportunity for communication with your spouse? What if we laid down our right to be right? What if we proactively thought up ways to serve others around us? What a great thing it would be. So Jesus' servant attitude is countercultural. Number two, it's relational. And number three, it's missional. Jesus' servant attitude is missional. You know, Jesus lived a very intentional life. And uh, his mission of connecting people to God was always in front of him. He was always aimed at that. He was always aimed at trying to connect people with God, right? It was always in front of him. Again, it was others-focused. So we recently went on a trip to Sheffield, England, a few of these guys here, and, um, and we, uh, as a college impact trip. And it was an amazing trip, had a great time. And from day one, the church planning team there was telling us, they were saying, hey guys, the way to the English heart is by befriending them first. Love them and befriend them first. And then you'll get opportunities to share the gospel. Well, in our zeal, and maybe I should just say me, I, I, I don't know for everybody else, but in my zeal I was like, okay, yeah, befriend them, but get in there and try to share the gospel. You know, so I'm day one, I'm trying to get in there, try to share the gospel, and you know what happened? It was just frustrating. But I think we finally got it. There were a couple days into it where we realized if we just slow down, listen to people's story, talk to them, ask them questions about them, not just bombard them with us, but listen to, question, listen to their responses, 
and love them right where they're at, then the Lord will open the doors. And he did this time and time again. I remember one guy that um, Graydon and I went up and spoke with, and I, we were down in this downtown area, and uh, walked up, and, um, and uh, well, we were just, there's people everywhere. Sun was out, which, you know, happens twice a year in England, and so we were lucky, and, uh, and we're, so people are everywhere. And uh, this guy, kind of across the way, had a Philadelphia Eagles shirt on. And so I just went over to him. I was like, that's, that's my end. I'm going to talk to him about the Philadelphia Eagles. And I said, hey, are you from Philadelphia? And he goes, with his British accent, no, I'm not. And, uh, and uh, so then we just start off. We just start talking. He's in his 20s. And all of a sudden, you know, we're just, we've been sitting there for 30, 40 minutes just talking about life. And then finally, at the end of the conversation, I said, well, you know, we're here all week we're visiting this church. Have you heard of it? Oh, I don't know if I've heard of it. And then, you know, and we end up, end up being able to pray for him, share the gospel with him, and he was really, really blessed. He was visibly touched by love because we had slowed down and gotten to know him. And that's what Jesus did, you know. John chapter 4, we see Jesus doing that same type of thing. And, uh, and he came up to the woman at the well, or... Actually, it was the other way around. He was sitting there. The woman of the well came to get water. And he had this choice. Am I going to jump over this cultural boundary of, you know, I, I, can't, I can't talk to this woman and I can't talk to her because she's a Samaritan. Two boundaries right there. She's a woman and she's a Samaritan. And am I going to jump over those things or am I going to just kind of stay back? And I believe he probably just listened to his father. And his father said, yeah, you're good. Go for it. And so he listened and obeyed. And he started talking to her. He crossed over those boundaries. And in that, all of a sudden, you guys know the story, she gets saved, and her whole, she's the key evangelist to her whole village coming to know Jesus. And uh, so in those times, he saw her, and he, and he jumped over the boundaries to engage with her. And in the same way, we can do that. We can do that right here in Fort Worth, where we just intentionally... Is there a way I can connect with this person? And then just allow the Holy Spirit to do the same thing. You know, and it is at the very heart of who Jesus is that in John chapter 1 we see that he is the incarnation of God on the earth. So in John 1.14 he says that the Word, or Jesus, became flesh. Became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. Or in the message, it says he moved into the neighborhood. He got re- very, very real. He became our neighbor. He came in and he made himself incarnate and real to us. He entered into our world. He entered into, into a broken world. And he's still doing that today through us, through the church. He's still doing that today. We get to participate in that missional heart of God and that seeing of others first, and the mission of God. So the heart of a servant and the mindset of a servant enters into another person's world and loves them right where they are. Loves them right where they are, just as Jesus did. Right. So we want to respond to the Lord this morning. So if you would, just stand up with me. And ministry team and worship team, if you could come forward, please.